When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, good people. Y'all know who it is, man. It's your boy, Ray G. This is the Breakout Finder Podcast, joined by my man, as always, Ryan Lopes at StillRyan5 on Twitter. Ryan, what's going down, big dog? Ray, always, again, I, I start off the show the same way every time. I look forward to sitting down and talking with you, but I will caveat this episode by saying, man, I'm a little... I'm a little nervous, man. I, I I got butterflies. I uh I I feel as though I'm walking into into like in, in into a into a grinder, bro. You know, like when when you were younger as a kid, you used to you used to wail your arms around like this. Like don't if you if you run into me, it's your fault. Like I feel like I'm walking into you, and you're and you're gonna start swinging on me, man. We're close. I'm not gonna, I, I, listen, I'm not gonna do any of that. I have no clue what you're talking about. No clue what you're talking about. I was just I was sitting back. <laughs> The wife and I had a little patio dinner, had a little a little homemade uh, burrito bowl, did that, little patio dinner Damn out man, back, had you? the tiki torches going, had the, had the nice patio wow. furniture, and I was trying to get draft ready for this shit. thing, draft week, and I decided to just like, I was like, you know what, I'm going to just do a draft real quick, because I'm still salty about my horrible best ball performances last year, and I am 1,000% convicted that I'm going to write those horrible best ball teams wrong this year. And, you know, with, with us partnering with Underdog Fantasy, man, it just makes sense, baby. It's easy. You know, it's easy for, for best ball football drafts, but it goes beyond football, right? You can do baseball, NBA DFS props, all kinds of good shit. And the good thing is, you know, people can find it now really, really easy when they go to playerprofiler.com. And they can click mm-hmm. start drafting to go right to the mm-hmm. underdog underdog app and, and, and start killing mm-hmm. it this season. So just letting y'all know from April 29th to May 3rd, anybody, anybody in the world, well, wherever you can fucking deposit money, who deposits money using the promo code Underworld will get a $25 instant bonus. So, I mean, just go on over there, do that, player profiler, underdog, promo code Underworld, make it happen. But Lopes, you made something happen Last week, you had a tweet that had a lot of impressions, and and we're gonna talk about this this tweet because you you posted some rankings, and I we did. appreciate you um, because you did not charge for those rankings because I would have been very upset. I did not, and I would have asked for a <laughs> refund. I'm glad those were free ranks that you passed out, but I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna talk about these ranks. We got somebody that's going to come in, and we're going to we're going to discuss the ranks. We're going to discuss <laughs> what's going to happen at pick three. We got the man himself. I'm talking, dude. Uh, listen, the first time I saw the profile pick 
for one Scott Barrett. I said, that's a handsome son of a bitch right there. I'm talking about Scott Barrett at Scott Barrett. DFB, the director of Dank. Dank. Like, understand what I'm saying? Dank stats at fantasypoints.com. Mr. Barrett, join the party, baby. Yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm happy to hear that you didn't charge anyone for those ranks, but like, I feel like <laughs> you should have paid me for having to to look at them. Yo, so uh, b- quick backstory, Scott and I go back and forth literally as often as possible in the DMs, trading, trading jabs, talking about players. I, before I, in the past, I have never really put myself out there to the point where I'm sharing rankings like that. And I run it by a select few people. Scott is someone that I, I've gone back and forth with for several years now. And he's like, I said, Scott, ch- take a look at these, man. And he immediately had some comments off the bat. We'll get into it. But, man, you guys are teeing me up early here. I can't – I haven't been able to defend myself at all yet. All right. I, I want to, you know, a spoonful of, of sugar to let the medicine go down. I, I want to say, like, I really respect your opinion. That's why these egregious rankings bothered me to my core so, so strongly. I mean, this is the guy who told me go all in on Antonio Gibson before the combine last year. And boy, did I. So you gave me a league winner for free real early. You you told me Najee Harris is RB1. And I'm like, yeah, right. Ran my model. He's the far and away the RB1. A few other guys real early on. You you put me on, and I'm so thankful you did. But man, these these rankings, we you know, we're, talk we're gonna about have some it, fun boys. Okay, so about it. so we've got the NFL draft <clears throat> this week, and I, I know we're all ready to see the landing spots and draft capital and sort of put some put some teams with the with the player. Like it's time, it's time. I'm I'm fucking sick of. I cannot continue to post Slim Reaper highlights anymore. Like, I just can't do it, man. I mean, <laughs> no more propaganda. I'll probably post a couple. Of, I, I, I just can't. I can't keep doing it. So, for those of you who missed it, uh, Ryan Lopes posted uh, his rankings for free, uh, top 25 wide receivers, and he and the, and the tweet just says, mutes conversation, right? So, he already <laughs> – here's the thing. He knew. He knew when he dropped this that there was going to be reaction. And yeah. as Barrett said, listen, we, we, we love Lopes and we know he puts in some work. We know that um, <laughs> based off of these ranks, there is work that gets put in, but we do yeah. respect his yeah. opinion. And that's the, that's the good thing about us, man. Appreciate Our squad you, over here, man, you, we can poke fun at each other. We can jab. Kelly is, Kelly is talk shit about me and Nate Liss. I hear the subtle tweets, the subtle jabs that they, they deliver. <laughs> Uh, to your boy GQ, but it's okay because we we dish it out. But but Barrett, you you are the man of the show, and you know I, I don't think there's a lot of debate at the. Well, there's maybe some debate, but I think that the the very top of this list, the number one wide receiver that he has, I don't I don't think you're going to hear much argument from from anybody across the board. A- am I am I wrong there? With, no, with, and and he has him in a tier all by himself, which is exactly how I have it, which is Jamar Chase, who profiles as an incredibly strong prospect. I said really probably the best since A.J. Ground, uh, AJ Green, Julio Jones. Uh, my pre-combine model said he was the best since at least 2015. And then he's also the most athletic wide receiver in this class by my stat sports score. So, uh, you know, a really, really special wide receiver prospect. You, you got one right, so we, we can give you that. 
<laughs> one for one so far. Scott, I got to ask, is there, does your model for the, for the people that may or may not know and, and how much you want to pull back the curtain for the good folks, the, the, the good listeners here, does your model spit out comparisons? Um, if not, do you have a comparison that you want to share? Is there someone that you can liken his, you know, as soon as this kid hits on Sunday, you see this type of player. Uh, no, it doesn't do comparisons, but it does tell you where the rank versus other prospects historically, just based on mm-hmm. how the profile specifically their, their production in college. And like I said, he was the best since 2015 at Amari Cooper second per my model model, just, uh, really liked him for some reason. Uh, my athletic based comparison for Jamar chase, uh, it was really weird. It was kind of all over the place, just based on his height, weight, 40, speed score, vert, broad, burst, three-cone, shuttle, et cetera. Uh, it gave him guys like Paris Campbell, Mike Wallace, Odell Beckham Jr. And to me, he doesn't really play like any of those guys, but it really speaks to his athleticism and, and raw untapped potential as a route runner because what he could do at the, the catch point, the physicality, uh, maybe the the after the catch ability even Odell Beckham Jr. makes some sense, but he does have that elite speed to his game, and you know he didn't really show a lot of separation. I thought uh, two years ago, but then again, you know he had a full season to really just hit the gym, work hard, and you have to think there's there's some untapped potential, which seems crazy when you factor in all of the records he broke at such a young age two years ago. Yeah, and listen, the the Breakout Finder app loves him. I mean, 57.7 breakout rating. I mean, that damn circle is green and almost closed up. You know, 80 80.1 teammate score, level of competition. We know he did it all. Um, I would only, what I would ask is and and I know both of you have him in a tier of his own. I personally uh, because I have no fucking model. I don't know how to use a spreadsheet for anything besides doing a very limited budget of my family finances. So I'm not even going to try to fake the funk like I know what I'm doing when it comes to the numbers. That's why I trust guys like Scott and I use Player Profiler. But what I do do is, I mean, all of my evaluations come from the game, man. I played the game. I love the game. Uh, I feel I understand the game of football, the intricacies of, of the game. And Devonta Smith, for me, he doesn't win the same way as Jamar Chase. He doesn't look like Jamar Chase. But when you watch him on the field, and I know a lot of people talk about coming back for his senior year, but he did produce in his junior season with two high first-round NFL draft picks, uh, the movement skills, the way that he competes at the point of the catch, and his speed. Although we didn't see him test, I don't need anybody to fucking tell me that he's fast. Like You see it week in and week out. Devonta Smith is in that tier for me. I do have Jamar Chase as wide receiver one in the class. Devonta Smith is wide receiver two. But I do think that Smith is going to be a very, very good player at the next level, even if his ceiling isn't quite as high as Jamar Chase. I mean, we can go down the list of how many and, and how the fuck do you even measure that, right? Like, how do you measure if a player hits their ceiling? Like, I, I don't I, I have yet to hear a good like is there any way to quantify what ceiling is and how that's reached is that I mean did Calvin Johnson hit his ceiling when he retired early I mean he probably could have even been better than what he was if he played another year or two like I I just don't I guess I'm having a hard time understanding what ceiling actually means like are you good or are you not good like that's how I look at it I know that's a very simple way to, to gauge football players but can you fucking ball or can't you that's how I look at it and Devonta Smith can ball man yeah, I just want to say I, I am a stats guy, but I'm not a 
stats is way more important than film. Like, in, in fact, like, I think film is just as important, if not more important. I, I'm, it's just not a strength of mine. It clearly is a strength of yours. You know, you're putting out the goods on Twitter, really trust your opinion. And you're one of a few guys who say the same thing. Hey, no, they're, they're right next to each other. And Smith is actually of the archetype I typically prefer from a wide receiver, which is to say he's an elite separator. Jamar Chase, I, he underwhelmed me in terms of separation. Again, he was so young. I do think there's untapped potential there. You brought up an interesting point. You said a lot of people don't love that he uh, came back for the fourth year, which I think is one of the dumbest things ever. Like he won the Heisman. Like what, what more could you have wanted to see from him? And then beyond that, I have, you know, sources, hashtag sources uh, that confirmed he had a round two consensus grade by the GM advisory committee. So like everyone looks at, oh, you know, fourth year players bust out in the NFL. And that's because they got like round six grades as a junior. This guy got a round two consensus grade with multiple teams having him in round one. At least one team having him as the best Alabama wide receiver. Let me let me ask this question because everybody wants to see Jamar Chase go to the Bengals. I think that'd be a horrible pick from Cincinnati standpoint. I mean, uh, I think Penny Sewell is probably one of the best offensive linemen that I've seen in my limited time doing this. But if he does go to Cincinnati, what does that do for T. Higgins, man? Because I, I, I think if he walks into Cincinnati, I mean, he's the X. Like, he's he, sooner rather than later, that dude's probably going to be the alpha that makes T. Higgins, what, he moves to the Z flanker position with Tyler Boyd in the slot. Joe Burrow, the connection there with Chase, top five pick. I mean, what happens, Scott, if if Chase walks into Cincinnati? I mean, can we pencil him in for 100 targets? And I know we're not trying to project that kind of shit, but, I mean, just off the cuff, do you think he comes in and he's the the alpha in that offense? Yeah, I think so. And it's important to remember that Chase has – a clear, already established rapport with Joe Burrow. I'm hearing Joe Burrow's lobbying for him to be the pick, which makes me think it's probably going to be the pick. Um, so he has that rapport. And then Mike Clay did an, an interesting study. When wide receivers are drafted in the top six, they typically command like a 18 to 25% target share in their rookie season, something absurd like that. Uh, so, yeah, I think he immediately supplants T. Higgins as the alpha. Okay, so let's let's continue down here. and We're, we're just going to – listen, I don't want to give away all the goods. You know, Ryan put a lot of work into this, so you need to go to his Twitter and find this tweet. It's it's free 99. He doesn't – he's not even charging for it. <laughs> so go find the tweet and look at his complete top 25 rankings. But let's move on to number two. And Lopes, I'm not a, you. You just tell us who your wide receiver two is in this 2021 class. Yeah, and th- when I put this tweet up, I obviously expected the Devonta Smith fan base to come out in full force, and I had a, a really fun couple of days with the Alabama fan base. Man, I, I I met a lot of great people that were telling me how how much they, they liked my list. Um, but I, I will say, man, that that contingent was a lot smaller than I thought. And really a lot of the pushback that I got from this list was people were baffled at the Terrace Marshall wide receiver two ranking. Uh, Scott, you and I talked about it a little bit, uh, Ray, we didn't, we, you and I haven't chatted a ton. I don't think about Marshall just here and there. Um, you know, you so maybe I can ask me. you. We didn't for... chat at all. You blindsided the hell out of me. 
with this. Is, is, so if, if I can ask you first, Ray, before I kind of give my very simple logic behind it, like, is th did this stand out to you? Do you think that Marshall as high as two is completely, as we talked about, Scott used the word egregious before, is Terrace Marshall outside of Smith, is that the one wide receiver that you were like, what are you doing over here? Listen, I love you, brother. I respect you. I love you. We are we are true. I, I, I consider ourselves friends, man. We we text about life. We're friends. I would not recommend anybody, anybody, draft Terrace Marshall. It's not even ahead of Devonta Smith. Over mm -hmm. Bateman, over Waddle, over mm -hmm. Elijah Moore, mm -hmm. Lopes. I I truly do not understand how or why. You place, and I saw people applauding you, giving you praise. Goodness, glad to see it, brother. Way to go. I love it. I love it. I love I, it, man. I, I am truly, I, I am baffled by this decision for you to type Terrace Marshall Jr.'s name in at wide receiver two. Yeah. I, I have no words for this. I just need for you to explain to the people what on earth are you thinking here? So he didn't. According to our, you know, the, the the breakout finder app, which everyone should be using, he didn't he didn't have a a earth shattering Devonta Smith type teammate score. But again, it goes back to who Terrace Marshall played with, what he was able to produce with who he played alongside. We care about that context. We care about the teammate scores. So that that's kind of the first thing that stood out to me. Um, and I don't want to course correct too much because I have talked about last year. I had Justin Jefferson at wide receiver five, which I was very happy about. But obviously, in hindsight, that looked way too low for everybody. So I think a lot of people see a Terrace Marshall wide receiver two or top top three for that matter. Like, man, people are just you're getting so excited because of what Justin Jefferson did and all that. You know, so I, I get that as well. But what really sealed the deal for me is it's just it's just how he's built, how he plays. Um, and that probably sounds cliche, but he tested a lot better than I thought he was going to test. 4.4540, 85th percentile speed score, 85th percentile burst score, all courtesy of playerprofiler.com, 62205. Uh, Ray, we talk a ton about high school recruits, uh, the whole the whole Debbie circle. We know Terrace Marshall was a decorated high school recruit, landed in, in an in, in a LSU program. We know the talent's been there all along. So for me, it kind of all lines up with, you know, when he got it done to some degree with really talented, obviously NFL caliber players around him. He is a plus athlete. And he's a player that I think, for our purposes, what we do, guys, fantasy football, I think he's going to get drafted high or high enough. So both, like all, all three of those stars for me tend to align. Um, I understand that the, the, the top of the class is, is very heavy. You got the Devonta Smiths, you got Bateman, you got all these other guys. It's, it's really tough to kind of, you know, put certain guys above other guys. I, I get all that. But to me, Terrace Marshall checks three really important boxes. Um, and I, I, I feel comfortable with it. I, I'd rather go out missing on a guy that I know, you know, has, has that pedigree, has that profile, is a plus athlete. Um, and, and if I'm going to go down swinging on a Terrace Marshall, so be it. Scott? Yeah, so it, it's not a good sign when your wide receiver two is my <laughs> wide receiver seven. Seven? I, I like Terrace That's Marshall. That's more egregious than my ranking. The, the teammate score you're referencing makes little sense when you have Jalen Waddle four and Devonta Smith six, mm -hmm. given the teammates they had. Uh, didn't do much 2019. Not, not enough for me, but I get it. You know, Chase and Justin Jefferson. Uh, 2020, 104.4 yards per game, 
uh, and a high-end touchdown scorer. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, wasn't really on Elijah Moore's ridiculous level uh, or even Jalen Waddles on a per-game basis or Devonta Smith's 2020. Uh, you, you say he's going to get drafted high, but I, I'm, I'm hearing actually he's going to fall uh, due to injury concerns, injury red Neither. flags. Uh, but I, I do like him. I do like the player. Uh, I, I do like the athleticism, just uh, not as high as I'd have him. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with Scott. I, I think he's a fine player. I, too, have met wide receiver seven on the dot. He's my wide receiver seven in the class. I am spot on with Barrett. And um, I, I just – it's it's it would be very it would be impossible. I, I would not I would not in any way shape form or fashion um, take him ahead of Bateman, Waddle, Moore, or Smith. Like I, I just I couldn't do it, man. The the what you're hoping to get out of Terrace Marshall, man. I mean you're you're really hoping for something that we've already seen a couple of these guys do already. And when you're talking about the size, he's not even – I mean, he's the biggest receiver in this class, but he's not even like, – he's not even the biggest receiver in this class. But you get what I'm saying? He's one of the bigger receivers in this class, mm-hmm. but he mm-hmm. isn't some fucking imposing figure, right? He's not yeah, yeah. like he's 6'2", 220 and ran a 4'4", 4'3". I just – this is very aggressive. This is very aggressive. And I do think – and I'm not, I'm not saying this is what caused you or made you put him here – the mystique and aura around what everyone did at LSU. And I told mm-hmm. this to Kelly. I was like, are people not to expect what Justin, first of all, and if you go back to Justin Jefferson's rookie season, there were all kind of reports out of training camp that he was picking up the offense slow and, you know, what Ola B.C. Johnson was playing over him. What he did to expect, A, to think that Jamar Chase is going to walk in and drop 1,500 yards as a rookie I think we're setting unrealistic expectations for him. Totally. And, uh, uh, and Terrace Marshall, I don't even think he's on the level of those two wide receivers. Not even like he's not on their level. He's a, he's a good player. I think he's going to be a, a fine professional wide receiver. But as, as Scott alluded to, I am hearing big-time concerns about him not even being a first-round pick and, and falling out, whereas a guy like Elijah Moore, I'm hearing it's probably – impossible for him then i don't want to say impossible but highly improbable that he falls out of round one in the nfl draft now as we as we as we mosey on down this list and and we're gonna Mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna stop here unless unless barrett has something else he wants to talk about i like this player you you and i scott shaking his head no you and i both like this player lopes nico collins i like nico collins Mm -hmm. I, i think nico collins was a product of Jim Harbaugh destroying everything that he touches uh, because he's a talented, talented kid. But here at eight, man, and and first of all, let me just say this real quick. You're downright disrespectful for a round two, three grade on Devonta Smith when you know good and fucking well there's no way on this planet he's going in round two or three. He's not. I just, he's not. I'm just going to say that's, that's, that he's is – you, sir, are are you dirty dog. You know what you're doing, <laughs> you scoundrel. Um, Nico Collins. Nico Collins at eight yeah. is aggressive. Yeah. But you know what, yeah. man? I'm not even as upset about this one as I am Terrace Marshall at two. Mm-hmm. I think it's too high for Nico Collins given I, 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 
if he goes round three, I would be ecstatic. I mean, he, you know, he's got the size and the athleticism. But Nico Collins, Scott, where are you at with Nico Collins? And do you think this is an aggressive ranking? Are you okay with it? Or is this another one of those, I'm glad this these were free? <laughs> uh, yeah, so Nico Collins is my wide receiver 14. Uh, here's Come what I wrote. On, man. Here's what I wrote in my article. Uh, he has ideal size and good athleticism. He's one of the rare outside wide receivers in this class. The question is, is that all there is to like with Collins? And I think that's the question we need to ask ourselves because, you know, his, his production profile wasn't there. I, you know, Ryan and I get into this debate all the time. He's like, if I'm going to miss, I want to miss on a high end athlete. So he's chasing the size and the athleticism where I've always argued athleticism's a little overrated. So, so, you know, not my guy, but you know, I, I get the, I get the reasoning, I, I think. Yeah. And it's probably, it's probably lazy analysis to say, you know, Hey, you know, we, we saw some flashes of, of Donovan people's Jones last year. And, and again, people are going to say, Oh, come on, you know, this, you're just, you're scouting the helmet. It's, it's Michigan, blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, Ray and I have chatted about what Harbaugh has done to his skill position players before in the past. I think, I think looking at Michigan production and Scott cites Michigan production. And I, I totally get that. You, you look at the box scores for a lot of these dudes that have passed through the program skill wise, and nothing's really going to jump out at you. And that's just, um, you know, I think at this point uh, we've seen enough with Harbaugh and what he's done that we can just start, you know, th this is no longer a coincidence. This is just what he's been doing to this program. And somehow he got more money thrown at him, but that, that that's besides the point. But I really do think looking at these Michigan players that, that you know that Harbaugh asterisk that context is a little bit important but again per, per playerprofiler.com he does have a, a relatively young breakout age here um 19.5 percentile so he did produce uh, enough and produced enough at a young age so that 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 is notable and again for me as Scott alludes to it really does come back to athleticism and this is kind of the part of the class here uh, you know, Ray, going from my tier, what I would consider tier three type wide receivers into into the tier four here. This is where I kind of want to slot and be aggressive on these plus athletes. And again, I'm totally open to hearing arguments for other sets of players that kind of fall in this range. If eight's a little bit aggressive, yeah, it could be a couple slots lower, higher. Um, it doesn't sound like he quite aligns where with you have him, Ray. How how much higher am I on Nico Collins than where you might have him sitting right now? Yeah, I haven't looked, but I think I have him at wide receiver 13. I have him outside. Okay, so not, of, uh, not too, too yeah. far off, but, yeah, but not, relatively, yeah. you're, you're much closer to Barrett. Yeah, much closer to Barrett. And and two more players I just want to touch on real quick because we got – Yeah, I just want to add Go one ahead. comment here. Uh, yeah, so you bring up the Michigan thing. You bring up Donovan Peoples-Jones, but they're yeah. literally the same age. Uh, mm -hmm. Collins barely outproduced him. Uh, he sat out all of 2020. And if you're chasing athleticism – I don't know why Simi Fajoko ranks 20. That's all I'm saying. We can move on. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, let's go ahead. Go let's ahead, talk Ray. about, let's talk about two players real quick. And yeah, yeah. you've got one of these players extremely low. I mean, almost, you know, at two, two Atwell levels low. Uh, and I'm talking about Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. And then you have Kadarius Tony at 12. And mm -hmm. from shit that I'm hearing, there's a chance that Tony's drafted before Devonta Smith and, and Tony's yeah. going to get first round draft capital and Dwayne Eskridge, Eskridge is going to go much higher than round six or seven. 
Scott, is there anything to, because I've talked to different people from the analytics community. Uh, are you chugging Bud Lights? That's right. <laughs> They're our sponsor. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 Well, shit. Get your money, baby. Um, uh, I, I'm all about that bread, man. <laughs> shit. Fuck if you're drinking water. Yeah, you got a you got a thirty pack in the mail. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Holla at me, Bud Light destination, Debbie. But Barrett, is what I, I've talked to different analytical people who tell me draft capital is everything. It's it's everything. But then others have told me for the wide receiver position, not so much. What, where are you at with Tony? Where are you at with Eskridge? And where are you at with wide receivers and draft capital? Uh, yeah, so wide, uh, draft capital is the most predictive variable in my model, the entirety of my model. Uh, it's something like eight times more predictive than like the best uh, athletic event you could run at a combine, maybe, maybe even like 16 times. I don't know. It's in the article. Uh, but yeah, it's massively important. And so Cone, uh, Tony was a particularly tough eval for me because I think if I treated him like a Juco prospect where I only looked at his 2020, I think he would have ranked like top six. The model would have absolutely loved him. And so he's a former quarterback, didn't really play his first few years and then was lights out last year. And so you could see the upside. You could see the potential. I know you're a tape guy but watching like his first two games of the season and then watching his final two games of the season, he looked like a completely different player. So, I mean, I, I'm willing to defer to my betters and just, hey, NFL thinks this guy's a stud. So, you know, he's probably going to be a stud. And what about Eskridge? I mean, I know he was in college for like 20 years, but I mean, I'm hearing that he's one of those guys that can get drafted a lot higher than we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, so that apparently the NFL is super in love with him. And like Tony, he's a unique case in that uh, he wasn't a full-time wide receiver, I think, until last year. What was he, a cornerback, right? Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck he was. He's old. <laughs> he, was, he was doing something for six years. I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, uh, old, small school prospect. Uh, model didn't love him. My rankings don't love him, but... Yeah, I mean, he, he could surprise us. Definitely don't like us, don't like him as much as I like Kadarius Tony. And so right. I want to just just so the rankings that I that I dropped, like the the way that I go about my business, and 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 Ray, I, I'm you know I I find myself more in your camp as far as I kind of just watch the games and then I kind of just put some thoughts together. Uh, Scott and 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 others, Nate especially, like super analytically driven and I, I love learning from them uh, you know that's why I talk to guys like Scott as often as I can uh, so I don't have a model to, to to land on really but the way that I kind of build my rankings this first pass for me obviously pre-draft and what I'll do is when the draft capital gets factored in I certainly will for our purposes dynasty purposes fantasy football purposes I'm going to have to adjust Tony is going to be the player for me that I imagine <laughs> has to get pushed up a little bit um, I try I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna redo the entire board but Tony's someone that from the from the jump, uh, you know, production wise, older prospects, none, none of those boxes were really checked off for us. But from the very beginning, going back months now, the NFL has been in love with Kadarius Tony. They, he, there's been plenty of hints and flags. He's going to go early. He's going to go top 32. He's going to go top 25. He's going to go ahead of Devon. Who knows? You know. He's going to go very, very early. And Scott kind of let in on the show when you have this super early top whatever draft capital. If you're drafting the top 12, the opportunities you get fed 
um, you know, you have a lot of you have, you have a lot of grace. You know, you you have a lot of room to right your wrongs to catch on. These teams invested early round capital in these players. They want to try to make it work. So if Tony goes early and we don't like him for whatever the reasons, production, age, whatever it is, doesn't matter. The NFL is going to feed him and feed him often. So Tony's definitely going to get an opportunity for dynasty purposes. If you're in these rookie drafts and you're looking at Tony after he lands in the, I don't know, top 15 somewhere that's going to be a conversation you really kind of have to have with yourself for sure. Yeah. I just want to chime in. I, I think that's a cop out. I think if you're a real dynasty player, you mm-hmm. need to be doing pre NFL draft rookie drafts. That is the most fun thing in the world. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's nothing like, you know, owning 100% Elijah Moore and then he lands <laughs> to Tennessee or green Bay in round one and you're doing backflips. There are so, so and I, many, I, I know Ray, Ray's been pushing that. And and, yes, and and rightfully so, best. but 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 the question for that I would have for you guys is I, I'm completely on board with that. Do you think those types of drafts, those types of leagues, those feel like probably the minority for now? Uh, yeah, because there's would, a bunch would, of would cowards. Yeah, there's a bunch of cowards. <laughs> you you got to wait for. I, I need to wait to see where he gets drafted. I need to wait to see where he lands. Have the have the conviction of what you've mm-hmm. studied. You, you got all these people. Think about how many people drop their shitty-ass fucking rankings up and down the timeline all day. They're posting their video clips of Devonta Smith running routes and Rondell Moore jumping fast. But then you ask them to jump in a rookie draft, and what are they? Oh, I need to I need to wait and see exactly <laughs> where Moore goes after you just spent 80 hours doing a thread that gets retweeted eight times about Rondell Moore. You need to wait and see where he gets drafted. Get out of here. Give me a break. Have the courage and conviction to stand on what you said, what you're putting out there for people to consume, and make your rookie picks before the NFL draft. I'm te- it's, it is the, in my opinion, it's the way to go. I mean, and for savvy uh, dynasty managers and gamers, I think you can take advantage of folks pre-jaff because they don't know what the hell they're doing they don't put in the work and what they do is they get on mfl or sleeper and they pick the highest adp guy that's left on the board and they're depending on all these bullshit ass mocks to make their drafts man I, I i'm with scott like stop being cowards put your rookie drafts in and it makes the nfl draft even that more intriguing man like when you're sitting there and like barrett said when the green bay packers select elijah moore and you're like got him Told you, got them already. <laughs> now come get them. So look, I want to I want to transition this conversation to the hottest topic that we're all sick and tired of talking about. But I'm going to make us talk about it again, and is what the 49ers are going to do at pick three. And you know the betting odds are Mac Jones. Uh, you know I think I've been very vocal. If I were running the franchise. They wouldn't even have a like they wouldn't have had a chance to get Justin Fields because he would have went number two for me. I don't even know why we're talking about Fields at three when I think we, why are people not talking about Fields at two? Well, we know Zach Wilson's going to be drafted by the Jets, but Scott, where are you at with this Mac Jones, San Francisco, Trey Lance, Justin Fields sliding thing? Just your unfiltered opinions as you guzzle down that Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I have no idea. I've just like kind of thrown my hands up when it comes to the quarterback position. And I just defer to the film guys who know more than me. I, I've tried many times to build an accurate QB model. And I just think it's basically impossible. I think you just need to watch the film. And I'm not smart enough at that. So I'll defer to guys like you, Danny Kelly, Mike Renner, Greg Cassell. 
so I, I really have have no idea. I'm, I'm surprised to hear you you say this, though, because I thought you were uh, the, the biggest Mac Jones truther. You, you put me on him super early before he was, you know, he, he was supposed to be like a late first round guy when you brought him up on, on our podcast. Yeah, and, and what I've said, and the receipts will back it, since September and October, all I was on record of saying was Mac Jones was a first-round quarterback. That's what I said. I said Mac Jones is a first-round quarterback. People thought I was batshit crazy. There's no way. Well, I can't speak for the incompetence of a team trading five first-round picks to move up to number three to draft him. I never said he was a top-three pick. I've never said that I'd take him ahead of Trey Lance or Justin Fields, but here we are. And here is... I can't project quarterbacks either. I mean, there were some quarterbacks that looked good in college that just busted, right? Like, I remember watching Jimmy Clausen in college thinking, damn, this dude's got, like, the tools to be good. You know, there were a lot of people who looked at Josh Rosen and said he's got the tools to be a good quarterback, and then they just don't pan out. Whereas we look at all the times we talk about, oh, I mean, people were shitting on Lamar Jackson like crazy, and look at what he did. He won the MVP his first full season starting at quarterback. Here's Here's – here is my thing with, with this entire situation. While everybody is so focused on the quarterback position for San Francisco, I'm sitting here thinking, if Mac Jones is drafted by San Francisco, that's stock up for the pass catchers on that offense. He ain't going to run the ball, so you don't have to worry about that off, like, you know, passes being taken away, you know, from, from the pass catchers. What he's good at is delivering the ball on time accurately. He broke the QBR record in college football history set by Joe Burrow. He broke the completion percentage record set by Colt McCoy in 2008. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's not afraid to push the ball downfield. So I'm looking at that offense thinking stock up for Brandon Ayuk, stock up for George Kittle, stock up for Debo Samuel, and whatever other pass catchers are there. So while Mac Jones may not be some high-end fantasy asset, Listen, right now, would you rather, if Mac Jones is drafted by San Francisco, you want him or Jared Goff in your QB two spot in a super flex league? You know what I mean? Like that that's sort of the range that I find him in. And I just think that this, this idea that we know with 100% certainty that Trey Lance is going to be a rock star at the next level, anybody telling you that, I got a bunch of fucking bridges that I can sell you because none of us know that shit. Lopes, where are you at? It's uh, it's been. I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I don't have, I don't have any sort of opinion on it. I've, I've given up trying to, trying to place these quarterbacks. It's been, I will say, it's been very entertaining to watch the timeline. There's a ton, a ton of, of mock draft betters out there and, and chasing the prop bets and stuff like that. People are stressed out because Kyle really hasn't tipped his hand at all. He did have a presser today, and there were, and there were a couple of gems in it. Someone asked him if Jimmy G would be on the roster. Uh, on Sunday, Kyle Shanahan said, I can't guarantee anybody in the world will be alive on Sunday. That was his first gem uh, that he ended up dropping in this presser. Um, and then ESPN's Diana Rossini uh, basically said, I, I'm trying to find the quote here. Kyle Shanahan is really the star of this offense. He is not looking for a star quarterback. Uh, that Weak was take. her analysis. Weak that take. was her analysis of the situation, which would leave a lot of us to believe that you know they don't he doesn't necessarily want a Trey Lance who is the one of the more impressive physical specimens at the position or a Justin Fields who I would personally consider a more athletic uh you know player than a Mac Jones so that that quote right there to me Ray seems like he might be leaning towards 
your guy, Mac Jones. And as you said, not to say that's right or wrong, you know, where we all have quarterbacks ranked, it's, it's probably not pointing us in the Mac Jones direction, but maybe that, maybe that really is who Kyle Shanahan covets. I, I don't know, man. All I know is on Thursday, it's going to be a blast. If Mac Jones goes at three, the timeline's going to be a mess, and I'm 100% here for that. Yeah, so I, I do want to hear what Ray has to say in terms of what is right and what is wrong. Who do you think should be the pick? Because the talent evaluators I talk to on a day-to-day basis are equally torn on this position. Uh, my guy Danny Kelly has Justin Fields, QB2. Uh, Mac Jones, QB5. Uh, my mm-hmm. guy, Brett Whitefield, has Justin Fields, QB4, uh, Zach wow. Wilson, QB2. But you, you brought up a great point when you, you talked about the fantasy implications of what it means to be a San Francisco quarterback. And so at this point, does it make sense to push Trey Lance above Justin Fields? Just because, I mean, now there's a 50% chance he's going to San Francisco. That's like a dream landing spot. Uh, he also was the more productive quarterback on the ground. We, we know Konami code, you know, rules the league from a, a quarterback perspective. And you brought up what it means for the pass catchers. Uh, so listen to this. Since 2018, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson averages 7.8 yards per attempt. Nick Mullins averages 7.9. Jimmy Garoppolo averages 8.2. And what San Francisco has there are like three of the best yards after the catch receivers in Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. I feel like whoever this quarterback is can have like a 3.6 A dot and still walk away with like an 8.2 yards per uh, yards <laughs> per attempt average. Listen, and and that's what Jones did at Alabama. You know, that's what he did at Alabama. He he did put, and I believe he had like close to eleven yards per attempt at Alabama. So he did push the ball downfield. But I I do know a lot of his production came from Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith doing damage after the catch. And we have to. I think the difficult thing in the fantasy space is. So many people are just thinking about fantasy production and what scores fantasy points, right? I believe Jalen Hurts in his four starts was averaging close to 30 fantasy points per game. How, what did that do for Philadelphia in the wins department? You know what I mean? Like these these teams are trying to win games. And while the Konami Code quarterback or some of these quarterbacks are very valuable for us in fantasy, like I don't really – do you think – for a second that the uh, 2000, what was it, the 2000 Ravens that won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer give a fuck that he wasn't a 5,000-yard passer? Like, they don't care. Like, don't turn the ball over. Put it where it needs to be. Let your playmakers do it, and don't fucking cost us the game. Don't pull a Jimmy Garoppolo and and lose us a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, these, these teams want quarterbacks that they feel comfortable with that are going to put them in positions to succeed. And I'm not saying that Trey Lance or Justin Fields can't do that. And just for the record, I have both of them ranked ahead of Mac Jones. But like, let's let's think about it from that perspective. If they're like, we can get a guy who can operate this offense at a higher level than Jimmy Garoppolo, who may be a little better. Jimmy Garoppolo was no fucking world beater. Like he really wasn't. Like I think he was elevated a ton sitting behind 
uh, Tom Brady and, and, and where he was drafted and Belichick. Like, uh, I mean, who is Jimmy Garoppolo, honestly? Like, he's fine, but he's not all that. Like, so if they think that he's going to be able to come in, they're not going to have to develop him. He's going he's gonna to pick up the playbook, do what we need him to do, and get the ball out and accurately. Like, from a football perspective, I can't knock that. And again, while the ceiling, whatever the hell that means, and I'm, I'm waiting for a good definition of what that even means, of Trey Lance and Justin Fields could be more because the fantasy potential of Trey Lance and Justin Fields is is potentially higher than Mac Jones. That doesn't equate to, to wins and losses all the time in the NFL, man. It, it does not. Lamar Jackson is great, and when he's throwing pick sixes versus Buffalo, everybody up and down timeline, we need to get a quarterback that can deliver the ball. I don't want this. I want. I, I just for, listening to fans is the worst thing. Like I just, we'll, as Scott said. The NFL is going to tell you exactly what they think, and that doesn't mean that they're right. But if Mac Jones lands in San Francisco, I think the the ramifications for that are you have a potential low-end quarterback one, high-end quarterback two, and it spells good news for the pass catchers for the 49ers offense. What before we move on to a, a different player here though? So you didn't you didn't like Diana's quote though, Ray, about how Kyle so we, Shanahan is the star. Uh, yeah, where does that even go, come? Where does that even? What does that even? Where does that come from? How do you know that? Shanahan's the star, so they don't want a quarterback who can be the star. So they're not going to draft Justin Fields and Trey Lance because he won't. That's fucking silly. I'm sorry. Like I'm getting real pissed off tonight. I, I'm. I've got a lot of anger inside of me, and that right there, he wants to be the star, so he doesn't want to draft star quarterbacks. So you mean to tell me if he had the opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence, he would pass because he doesn't want Lawrence just onto the fucking oh, next shadowing game. him. <laughs> just, just continue the conversation, Barrett. What, what are, you, what is burning in your heart before this Thursday draft? What do you want to talk about? What, what is it? Something that that you're working on that you've noticed that you've discovered a player that you're pounding the table for that that the people that the, the people need to know about. Uh, man, I, I could go many different directions with this. Elijah Moore is is one of my guys. I've been pounding the table for him all offseason. Uh, but I know Ryan wanted to block off some time to talk about Please. Kyle Pitts, Please. who God. is, yeah. oh, my God, just uh, madly in love. Uh, I had a tweet out in December where I said, Kyle Pitts is going to the Hall of Fame. I haven't felt this good about a fantasy eligible prospect since CMC, who I comped to Ladanian Tomlinson coming out. And uh, I'm not going to talk about him again without a paywall present until the NFL draft. <laughs> and uh, I'm willing to break the rules now and just, yes, this guy's special, real special. Uh, Scott, I, before you before you go to town here, because I've I've done battle with Matt Kelly a few times, and and Matt, uh, and again, let's let's start by talking, I guess, in a fantasy dynasty context first, Scott. Like, uh, obviously, I want to be. I've you guys have picked uh, a few of the players that I want to be early on. I want to be aggressive on. Kyle Pitts is obviously no exception to that rule. He is the player that I want to be the the most aggressive on, just because I share Scott's thoughts as well. I think he is a sh- uh, I don't like to throw on the word surefire, but special. He is a special player. 
Uh, and I, I love Kyle Pitts. So the pushback, Scott, that I've gotten, I'm sure you've seen it as well. I'm sure you've gotten it as well, is you don't draft tight ends early in the dynasty space because they're tight ends. Uh, do you agree with that sentiment to a degree, 100%, not at all? And if so, are you willing to throw that rule away uh, and make Kyle Pitts an, an obvious exception here? Yeah, I think so. so. So the only reason you wouldn't draft a tight end in Dynasty is, I guess, the hit rate's not great. But I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, the most surefire, sure thing tight end in a long time. I have him as potentially the best tight end prospect ever uh, by my production model, far and away the best tight end prospect in my database by athleticism, which I know is important to you. Only Vernon Davis mm-hmm. ranks higher, and I think he's a much better prospect than Vernon Davis was. Um, I also think that uh, the other reason to potentially fade a tight end is, oh, you're, they're going to be cheaper a year from now. Everyone forgets that you know rookie tight ends are slow starters in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I think this guy should have the highest projection of any rookie tight end ever. I'm not saying he's going to break Ditka's record. I, I don't know that he's even going to outscore Evan Ingram's rookie year, but his projection should be higher than any rookie tight end ever. This guy is so special. Multiple film evaluators I've talked to said, hey, if this guy's a wide receiver, if he says I refuse to play tight end, he's still a top three wide receiver in this class. He is so special, and that's exactly what you want from the tight end position. You want wide receivers masquerading as tight ends, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, and that's exactly what this guy gives you. And at the tight end position, it's like so broken where it's just three super valuable players and then everyone else is worthless. Where (laughs) if you're putting up wide receiver one levels of production, it's just like such a cheat code at the tight end position. And that's exactly what I think Kyle Pitts is going to do. Is there a landing spot, man, that you you need to have him at to really fortify your position or to make it Well, hold on. And and I'm I'm going into that. I'm going into that because – how many situations, and I've been on this Kyle Pitts train for quite some time, big, 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 mm-hmm. big, big fan, but how many situations can he walk into from day one and get Darren Waller type volume, get George Kittle type volume? I'm thinking about Atlanta. Everyone's talking about Atlanta. If he goes to Atlanta while Julio Jones is there with Calvin Ridley, He's not seeing that type of volume early on, right? Miami, maybe. Uh, I I guess that's what we're looking at, right? Unless something crazy happens. We're we're talking about Atlanta. We're talking about Miami. I don't don't have numbers on Matt Ryan targeting tight ends. I I don't know any of that. But as I'm just looking at the situations he could potentially fall to, while his talent may warrant that, and I agree with you. I, I think right now in Dynasty, there are only three tight ends that I, I would want over him, and two of them are probably just for this season. Like, literally just for this season, I would want Kelsey and Waller and Kittle over him. I think he walks into 2022 as probably the Dino tight end one. But is he going to get that type of work early, or are we going to have to wait a, a couple of years? You know, Mark Andrews gets all that volume because – he, I mean, the, the next best receiver is fucking Willie Sneed. They had to go get Des Bryant to play wide receiver. Uh, we, we even see TJ Hawkinson. He doesn't get that type of volume. I mean, my only fear 
is that he lands in a situation where he's not able. And at Florida, he was the primary target. He was the guy at Florida. It wasn't Kadarius Tony. Tony did his thing, but that offense flowed through Kyle Pitts with how they used him. If he's not a 120 target guy out the gates, aren't you just losing value on that player year after year? Whereas, you know, passing on a potential wide receiver one like Jamar Chase or, or Devontae Smith or something. I'm just, is he going to be able to get that type of volume going to Atlanta? Because that's where he's going to go unless somebody trades up. Yeah, so I mean, we're hearing Julio Jones gets traded uh, in June by the Falcons, which would open up some some targets if that does happen. Even if it doesn't, like I think that's a fair point. Cincinnati, there's a, a lot of target competition there. Miami with Tua. Not very ideal. Detroit with TJ Hawkinson there, not great. So I, I agree the landing spot, potential landing spots aren't phenomenal without a trade up. Uh, but at the same point, like, yes, I mean, he's not going to come close to Darren Waller this year for sure. But at the same time, he's the youngest quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end in this class. He's 20 years old. He's seven years younger than Kittle, 11 years younger than Kelsey eight years younger than Waller. So from a dynasty perspective, just his potential, his age, he's my tight end one and tight end premium and and dynasty. Man, I I think the talent is there, man. The talent is there. But if we're, if we're basing this on, you know, a Julio trade and if he doesn't, if, if he, if, so you're saying regardless, right? Even if Julio's there for the next two years after that, Kyle Pitts is still 22 years old. It's him and Calvin Ridley. He's going to be the guy and the positional, the the edge that you gain in fantasy football by having an elite type tight end like that. I mean, I'm sure if we, we looked at all the championship rosters across, you know, MFL or whatever, I, I'd say an overwhelming majority of them probably had Waller or, Ke- or, or Kelsey on their fantasy teams. And that advantage that, you know, those type of volume tight ends get um, is just a, is is just a huge plus to your team. I love Kyle Pitts. Love him. Um, I just, I'm like, damn, man, if, if he's not that, what is he? I mean, is he just, is he Mark Andrews? Is he TJ Hawkinson? Is he Noah Fant without that type of volume that we want to see him get? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, those are all good questions. The, it's, it's tough to articulate a response other than, I mean, you just watch 30 seconds of his tape and you're like, wow, this guy is special. I've never seen a tight end prospect move like that. And I think it's just, you know, the talent transcends unideal landing spots. If not year one, probably year two and a half. You know, I think the important over go ahead. Lopes. I was going to say, I think the important context too behind pits and Ray, I'm sure you and I've talked about it as I've kind of built, built the case and, and you and I've kind of built the case here, but I think the important context is as Scott said, the position he plays and just how desolate the tight end group in general right now is outside of the top, you know, three guys or so. So you get someone that could literally fight for a top five at absolute worst, it feels like, you know, and push for more, uh, you know, ranking, you know, within the first year or two. That that should mean something with how we're drafting and how we're ranking them. And number two, I think this year in particular, uh, just knowing how really disappointing the running back classes. We didn't talk about running backs at all today, but the just the, how how really bad the running back classes it, it opens up you know a window for someone like Pitts for a quote unquote tight end 
to you know be in that early round conversation you know whereas in years past you want to probably gravitate towards the backs and then these three down runners we don't have a ton of those players this year and even if we do you can make an argument for pits over them so i just ask we talk about how desolate the tight end position is after the three is it really desolate or are those three just so ridiculously good that it makes the rest of the tight ends look shitty and are we falling into a trap to expect tight ends to produce kelsey kittle waller levels of production when if you look at travis kelsey's career for a position that gets injured so much like the tight ends the dude has been teflon since his second season in the nfl i don't believe kelsey uh, has missed a game due to injury since his second season like literally like there have been games where kansas city's locked up a playoff spot and none of the guys play and he hasn't had a full 16 season but uh, that's that is outlierish in its own sense for a tight end to be as healthy as Travis Kelsey has been and to be a consistent that what five straight thousand yard seasons for a tight end who doesn't miss a game have our expectations for the tight end position shifted so far as the pendulum swung so far to that direction that we think Waller I mean Hawkinson and Fant and like and I don't have those numbers I don't know I've just asked the question are, are we placing too much expectation on tight ends to be Kelsey, Waller, Kittle? When in reality, it's more so like the other however many, Scott. Yeah, I mean, I, I like TJ Hawkinson. I like Noah Fan. I like Dallas Goddard. I, I think they're good players. But Cal Pitts, again, I think is special in the sense that the people I'm talking to say if he's a wide receiver, he's still one of the three best wide receivers in this class. And that's how... NFL teams are going to use him as a wide receiver masquerading as a tight end. Like you, you talk about Travis Kelsey and how healthy he stayed throughout his career. That's outlierish for sure. But he's also not like the physical weapon that Rob Gronkowski is or George Kittle is who, who does have, who both had long uh, injury histories. Uh, it's more the sort of wide receiver masquerading as a tight end, which I think, Pitts is and is is entirely his appeal and nature of the position too at, at the tight end spot is and I I think Ray you're you're probably on the right path and I would probably tend to agree with you a little bit more so where we throw around the word desolate and wasteland and all this stuff for tight end it probably does come off a bit harsh but I think the reality of the position is is there's probably a bigger gap between the top three and the names that follow and certainly like the tier or two that follows below that then maybe the running maybe maybe the wide receiver rankings or something like that from from a dynasty standpoint when someone throws out like a Noah Fant uh, you know, type career arc possibly for for Kyle Pitts. I kind of get excited about that because I was excited for Noah Fan. We're talking about a player that was a 95th percentile Spark X score, 88th percentile college dominator, 83rd percent. Like this guy was the poster child for what you want in a high round, you know, a, a high round selection dynasty wise or otherwise. Um, so if, if Kyle Pitts can live up to that and, and even exceed it as, you know, Scott kind of lays up the case and I tend to agree that he is a better prospect than than a Noah Fant, which really is saying a ton because there was a ton of justifiable hype around Noah Fant as well. 
So, uh, man, yeah, the, the 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 stars are aligning for for Kyle Pitts. I would love him in Atlanta. I would really, really love him in Cincinnati personally. Uh, but as as Scott kind of hit on early off, you know, it's looking like Chase. I think the smart football guy move Ray is definitely offensive lineman. Uh, but for my own selfish purposes, uh, you know, having given given Burrow someone someone like like Pitts, you know, that I think I think that kind of lead to some, uh-huh. some 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 fun scenarios too. I feel bad for Pat Fryermuth because in any other draft class we would be gushing over his pro prospectus because I think Friar Muth is a fantastic tight end as well. A little different than Kyle Pitts. You're not going to mistake him as a wide receiver, but if you go back to 2019 and watch him versus the Ohio State Buckeyes and the versatility that he displayed playing in line, H-back, the X, motioning, Friar Muth is going to be fucking good too. He's a good tight end. And uh, while probably not Hall of Fame worthy yet, uh, I wouldn't put him there. I think we'll be talking about this tight end class with Friar Muth, Hunter Long, potentially Brevin Jordan, depending on where he lands. Um, but but Kyle Pitts is the cream of the crop. He's outstanding. But look, Barrett, we appreciate the time, man. Can you tell the people uh, what to expect from you and Fantasy Points leading up to the draft? Any good shit that y'all got cooking, man? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB. All my rankings are done and all the articles that went into that are up. Uh, my models, spork score, things like that. Uh, next series of articles from me is uh, the post-draft press conference review where I listen to every single press conference from every single GM head coach and uh, I relay what that means from a fantasy perspective. Man, thank you for saying that. I just got off of a show where I said, I can't wait to hear uh, the presser of San Francisco. I want to hear why people passed on Justin Fields for the quarterback that they took. Like, I'm really, I'm yeah. like, dude, I'm not, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so happy you said that because I am truly looking forward to hearing why uh, some of these players that we have ranked so highly or have talked about so much slip in the draft. So make sure y'all follow Scott on Twitter, check out his work. Go to fantasypoints.com. They're doing great shit there. Lopes, you got anything uh, final to say uh, to the people, man? Man, Ray, the 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 good listeners can catch us Thursday, bro. Live is what is what I'm hearing. We will be posted up with the Roto Underworld crew going over the entire first round, and then the days that follow, we will be live thereafter. So uh, people uh, got nothing else to do on draft night. They're they're chilling solo, man. Come chill with us. Let's let's talk ball. You know, there's a there's a running joke on this uh, show, Scott, that we just uh, I was on a show with you and you just ended the show. You literally was just you just stopped it. You were like show's over. And for the past like seven episodes, there's been no outro. We literally say, hey, in, in words of our man, Scott Barrett shows over like we literally just stopped the show. So we got you on and I can officially can, can you just. Tell us, just tell the people show's over so we can just stop this. Just say show's over, man. Show's over, man.